It is precisely this collision of immoral power with powerless morality which constitutes the major crisis of our times. We must develop progress, or rather the program, and I can't stay on this long, that will drive the nation to, to a guaranteed annual income. Now, early in the century, this proposal would have been greeted with ridicule and denunciation as destructive of initiative and responsibility. At that time, economic status was considered the measure of the individual's abilities and talents. And in the thinking of that day, the absence of worldly goods indicated a want of industrious habits and moral fiber. We've come a long way in our understanding of human motivation and of the blind operation of our economic system. Now we realize that dislocations in the market operation of our economy and the prevalence of discrimination thrust people into idleness and bind them in constant or frequent unemployment against their will. The poor are less often dismissed, I hope, from our conscience today by being branded as inferior and incompetent. We also know that no matter how dynamically the economy develops and expands, it does not eliminate all poverty. The problem indicates that our emphasis must be twofold. We must create full employment or we must create incomes. People must be made consumers by one method or the other. Once they are placed in this position, we need to be concerned that the potential of the individual is not wasted. New forms of work that enhance the social good will have to be devised for those for whom traditional jobs are not available. In 1879, Henry George anticipated this state of affairs when he wrote in Progress and Poverty, the fact is that the work which improves the condition of mankind the work which extends knowledge and increases power and enriches literature and elevates thought is not done to secure living. It is not the work of slaves driven to that task either by the task of that of a taskmaster or by animal necessities. It is the work of men who somehow find a form of work that brings a security for its own sake. In a state of society where want is abolished, work of this sort could be enormously increased. And we are likely to find that the problem of housing education, instead of preceding the elimination of poverty, will themselves be affected if poverty is first abolished. The poor transformed into purchasers will do a great deal on their own to alter housing decay. Negroes who have a double disability will have a greater effect on discrimination when they have the additional weapon of cash to use in their struggle. Beyond these advantages, a host of positive psychological changes inevitably will result from widespread economic security. The dignity of the individual will flourish when the decisions concerning his life are in his own hands when he has the assurance that his income is stable and certain, and when he knows that he has the means to seek self-improvement, personal conflicts between husband, wife, and children will diminish when the unjust measurement of human worth on a scale of dollars 
is eliminated. Now our country can do this. John Kenneth Galbraith said that a guaranteed annual income could be done for about $20 billion a year. And I say to you today that if our nation can spend $35 billion a year to fight an unjust evil war in Vietnam and $20 billion to put a man on the moon, it can spend billions of dollars to put God's children on their own two feet right here on earth. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Still Searching Podcast with Josh Trujillo here. I wanted to open with that uh, speech from Martin Luther King. Obviously, today, as of recording this, it's Martin Luther King Day. And uh, it's the one day of the year where you'll see Martin Luther King quotes all over social media, Facebook, Instagram. I'm guilty of it too, to be honest with you. And uh, I had a bit of a revelation of like just how radical Dr. Martin Luther King really was back then. Listen, he wasn't popular. It wasn't, he wasn't doing stuff back then that would get him a national holiday. Um, I think we've detached so much of his act, his radical message, we detached it from what he was all about now and kind of boil it down just to a few quotes, talking points, bullet points. He was a fierce critic of uh, capitalism, white supremacy, the Vietnam War, U.S. imperialism. And towards the end of his life, his final focus was on poverty and economic injustice. And I didn't realize how radical it was. I'd listened to, I found a bunch of his sermons on YouTube and began to listen to them and was blown away. So wanted to share that. I, uh, Saturday, or actually I was asked to give the uh, communion uh, reflection at the church community that I've been a part of, Mission Hills Community Church, and begin to find a lot of information or a lot of these sermons. And and I was realizing, man, I don't want to be that guy that just does this once a year and does a nice quote. So this year, I'm, I'm really going to focus on reading a lot of the teachings, the writings of Dr. Martin Luther King. There's a book out called the Radical, the Radical King, where kind of highlights more of his uh, so-called radical ideas. And man, he's been talking about universal basic income in the sixties. And that's what Andrew Yang's talking about. And everybody thinks he's crazy. So I encourage you guys to do the same. Go check out some of his, uh, uh, sermons or his teachings on YouTube, his speeches, not just the popular ones, but just like just regular ones, man, you'll find some crazy stuff. He'll just be preaching at a church or, uh, just different places and it'll it'll blow you it'll blow your mind I was gonna read the uh, communion 
Martin, Martin Luther King Day communion reflection that I gave yesterday, but I'll just post a link to it because they actually posted it on their podcast. So shout out to the Mission Hills podcast. Today's episode is a really heavy one. It really is. It's a heavy topic, but it doesn't feel so heavy because we're just good friends and we've known each other for so long and we just have a great conversation. I wanted my friend Jeremy to come on and talk about the evils, just the the damn, I mean, just the the dirty details of what's happening with child sex trafficking, specifically in Thailand, where he has a work and it it's just it, it it's terrible it's it's horrible but uh i've known jeremy for a while and he uh and his ex-wife started a um home a rescue home in thailand to take in young girls and boys that have been uh exploited abused and to give them a place of refuge to heal and to grow into the beautiful human beings that God has created us to be. Um, we partner together. If you guys would like to partner with, if you l- listen to the whole uh, interview, and if it's something you want to back and get behind, uh, the the work that's being done in Thailand, the Thrive Rescue Homes, I'm going to supply a link in the notes here, or reach out to me, DM me, I'll send you the link. But if you want to support, please do. You know, it helps to literally keep, you know, food in the bellies of the children, you know, clothes, all those things that we need. Um, If you uh, would support the the work at thirty five dollars a month, um, we would like to take you out to our favorite one of our favorite coffee houses to have coffee with the founder. And we'll just have a great conversation, sit down and talk and hang out. Excuse me. If you're in the L.A. area, if, if you're, you know, somewhere else. Uh, we could do it online and we'll send you like a, a, a Pete's coffee or a Phil's coffee gift card. Well, actually, you probably wouldn't. Phil's or Pete's wouldn't be in other places of the country. I'm assuming it's a Cali thing. Um, maybe Starbucks, the evil empire Starbucks. But but listen, if you guys want to support, do that on the link that we're going to uh, supply. And we'd like to hang out with you and meet you and take you out and, and get to know the founder a little bit better and and myself i'll be there too <laughs> you probably heard enough of me but let's get ready to jump into this episode with the founder of thrive rescue home my good friend jeremy kraus We're rolling. <laughs> Love this song. People are probably wondering, like, why are you opening with this song? <laughs> I would never play Katy Perry, oh by the way, God. on my podcast. Why, man? It's not my thing, dude. Bro, it's- Katy is dope, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's funny. I played Katy Perry because you came up with her, right? <laughs> you know her. You used to be her youth pastor. I was. I, was. I like didn't that. come up with I mean she was singing when I got there, but okay. she was twelve, thirteen and uh I um I I definitely told, encouraged her and her parents and they all The Hudsons. Every, yeah, they I mean they knew from the beginning that's what she wanted to do was be a singer and so uh 
think you know we were kind of i was getting her kind of gigs and stuff and she was singing at churches and stuff and i said um you know this is great but if you really want to make it you've you got to write your own songs you can't be singing other people's songs you know and and you need to learn how to play an instrument and so wait a minute are you telling me you you helped create the megastar katie no no no. i i definitely would not take any credit for that and i don't i don't know if anybody would give me any credit for that i'm just saying when i was a youth pastor that's what i told her all right hey learn how to play guitar piano and write your own music because that's what it's going to take to get you to the next level because you got a great voice so there it is the rest is history on the still searching podcast jeremy krause created katie perry no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) hey guys i got a special guest in the back i got a longtime good friend jeremy krause back here in on the still searching podcast in the trap house how you like the trap house i love it dude this is so dope in here i actually uh i I want this like (laughs) i want a place like this this is awesome i love it i love it it's getting better we're gonna upgrade it tomorrow we're getting these um sound panels installed up above nice that came out of dr dre's studio real you should i could have just called him and had him bring him over here if you no i'm just joking i don't know dr dre i'm totally messing around i've been in dr dre's house really it's oh yeah that's pretty dope dude it is insane did you get to meet him i haven't met him i seen him and i seen the missus um but i haven't met him that's dope we we used to work at his house, but it's like when you're working there, you can't really be like a fanboy. You just got right, right. Pretend you just that it's deal. you yeah. just. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing, Andre? The kind of thing. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, what was I gonna say? I had something lined up. I just went blank. I, Katy Perry threw me off. <laughs> uh, Welcome, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. I'm. I am. I'm pumped to be here, bro. I've been uh, listening to some of your podcasts, and uh, I just really like the diversity and um, the different stories, man. It's really cool. It's really cool to hear different perspectives and different uh, stories where people have come from uh, and and where they've gotten their beliefs from and and all that stuff. So I I really enjoy that. And uh, Well, we're we're people people, so we really find value and 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 everybody's story yeah you know and for sure everybody has a story and um that's what it's about it's like you just don't realize how important like or i mean you realize but there's so much good stuff in people's stories so that's what it's about and just my whole thing is yeah i'm still still searching like yeah 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 it's i'm i haven't arrived like i haven't the more i think i know I'm like, I'm comfortable now with like not knowing, you know, <laughs> right, right, especially right. when it comes to like faith and the Bible and all this stuff, dude, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to know, you know, I, like we I, we, I think we grew up in like a, uh, well, I mean, we both grew up in church and we, and I don't know about you, but growing up in church, like everybody always had answers, right? That That's the thing. They always had to answer for everything. And I think it's it's good to come to a point where like you can say, this is what I believe, but I don't necessarily have all the answers. If we had all the answers, then God wouldn't be God. Right. And yeah. you know, if we could explain everything that happens, I mean, come on. We 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 wanna like be the uh, only ones that hold the truth. You know, it's right. like, oh I ha- I know, or this is 
I can bank everything on this. I'm like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but do you really know? We don't really know. But I'm not saying that I'm I don't believe in God or anything. Right, but right, right. We've had we've had some great conversations, and I'm always trying to give you books every time I see you that like maybe change or just something crazy that I'm reading. I think I gave you like evolution the, of Adam. I think yeah, the last and you probably <laughs> never opened it. No, actually, I did. I, I think I read like the first two maybe pages, the, maybe the second chapter, first and second <laughs> chapter. And then I moved. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm traveling all the time, and I don't know what I did with that book to be honest with you, but yeah. I really cherished it while I had it. Yeah, I'm not um, giving you any more books because it came from you. But you and my dad are always trying to get me to read. So I, yeah. I actually, um, I read about a book, maybe two books a month now. That's really good. And um, uh, it's, I mean, it's just, I, I love it now. I don't, so. I don't really make resolutions. I just don't like. Yeah. I always know they fail. Right. Or right. if I do try to do a resolution, that'll start it like in November, because I know, yeah. you know, I, you just got to build up to it. But I did like all right. I'm gonna try to read a book a month. So you're you're doing two. That's and, really well, good. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'll hit like I'll at least do one, and then sometimes I'll do two or or book and a half. But I I kind of adopt the same kind of uh, belief. Like I I think we set ourselves up for failure too much, mm. and so it's like oh it's January. Let everybody let's fast for. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying like. There's so many people that, at least let me just speak for me, Yeah, where everybody goes on a fast and I'm like, yes, let's fast. And then like a day into it or the first day I end up eating and just <laughs> failing miserably. And then I feel guilty. And then, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. not, for me, it's like, yeah, let's just, let's, let's fast with the understanding that I might eat something today. <laughs> <laughs> it and, must it's got to be hard in a peruvian household oh dude man it's not even right man dude, that food is so good bro oh that yeah we, yeah. we got to get together actually the the family so we can bring some of that food dude i love the peruvian vibe my brother-in-law is peruvian and and um friends with their um, with his side of the family and his my brother-in-law's mom is just a firecracker bro she's <laughs> she can go all night she can dance all night some pisco sours and we're good dude we'll have a good time if you sneeze in our house there's gonna be a party <laughs> like i chew and then boom they're like salsa music yes it's it's on i mean the food pops out people come out of the out of the woodworks and and all of a sudden everybody's salsa dancing and people come out of the, there's people coming out you didn't even know we're here <laughs> no i'm serious man I can only dance for like one song at a time because then the sides of my legs and my butt starts hurting because I'm not used to working those muscles, man. Because you have two left feet. and Yes, you're... yes. No, you're right. You're Absolutely. Having, Absolutely. You're having to, to do all the work on left foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Jeremy's here. Uh, Jeremy is um, the founder, co-founder of Thrive Rescue um, in Thailand. And... Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about human trafficking, something that he is passionate about. And um, but I want to go back when I first met you. <laughs> I had Josh Vi on here. Did you hear the one with Josh Vi? No, I haven't heard that one, dude. You got to hear it. Okay, you got to hear it. I'll check it out. I'll check it out because we we talk about him getting search and rescued. <laughs> Me and Willie picked him up oh in in Michigan, and um, you know, so that whole thing. But he was just a cool kid, so it wasn't like a crazy story with him. 
But I messed up the story when I used to tell it after the fact. I'm like, oh, I picked him up from a psych ward or, or men, you know, <laughs> but it, it was just juvie. I don't remember. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, but that was part of my story with him. Um, but he, I, me and him became really good friends after like even leaving Arizona nice. and staying connected with Josh Vi. I don't even know if you know him, but um, really cool, cool cat. And then I, we talk about how I reconnected with, with Bob and Carla. Yeah. Years later, bro. So we're setting this up. I'm going to have Carla on. Nice. Dude, Car- they're on. I don't know wait, if you. Wait, wait, wait. You sh- okay, listen. They're when on you- a whole nother wave, bro. When it's- you have Carla wait. back on. Or on. You need to let me know. Because <laughs> I want to be back for that one for sure. Well, I think me and Carla will have our own thing. Yeah, and yeah. then we'll do like another one. And yeah, you no, on there. we got we got to. And we should invite Bobby and Ceci and every we should have everybody up in this mug. <laughs> so um in, in that episode I talk about reconnecting with dude. It's it's so weird to hear to hear Bob say F bombs like <laughs> because it was so rigid and rele- religious and legalistic. Yeah, yeah. Like we couldn't serious, even man. couldn't even, you know not even Christian contemporary music. Not even some worship music, like dude. I, one time we were in the crazy. we were in like the computer room, and one of the kids was listening to to Fred Hammond. Fred, I was just gonna say, <laughs> no Fred Hammond, man. You and, can't the, do and, that. and and then Bob was like, "Man, that bass line's pretty pretty heavy." And like the dude, we had to like stop listening to Fred Hammond. <laughs> and Willie was like, "What, Doc? It's what, just Doc? it's Fred Hammond. It's Fred Hammond, Doc." <laughs> I don't think he ever gave it up. Yeah, I no. Think, I, it, I think he was a closet Fred Hammond listener. Well, we did we did like a sound of music conference one day, and I had to like renounce my boys. I had to renounce POD. Oh I had to do a whole teaching on rock music oh, and man. the evils of rock and the tones in the music. Oh man, that kill plants. That's crazy. <laughs> wow, wow. I dude. felt I felt like Judas, dude. After, the, but I kept all my POD stuff. You're like, I'm sorry, Sonny. <laughs> Forgive me, Sonny. I'm gonna get Sonny on here one of these days. Talk about it. But that's where I met you in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was in the two thousands, right? Dude, that was like uh, two thousand two, I think. When did you first go there? Didn't you go and then leave for a bit, and then came? Yeah, back, right? so we were there for about a year, or yeah, about a year or so, and then we took off for a year, and then we came back for another year, and um, and then we moved back to Orange County and. For good. How did yeah. you even get connected with some so, crazy people? <laughs> so crazy story about Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> she was gonna get searched and rescued. <laughs> okay, dude. So this is so funny, man. She she's a she's awesome. Anyways, she we went to this camp. So my brother somehow we found out about T Reach from my brother. And from you know, for my brother. So my brother ended up going to Teen Reach. To Teen Reach. That was before you were there, I think. Yeah, way before me. And um, anyway, so that's how I got hooked up with uh, with Team Reach. And um, I actually was youth pastoring, Katy Perry's youth pastor for that time. And we did a youth like summer camp. And uh, me and this guy, Bobby Rowland, we put together this this uh, this week long, you know, summer camp. Or maybe it was three or four days, but anyways. And so Bobby was the keynote speaker. So he like, but I didn't know who he was or what he was about. I just know he seemed cool. And we had talked a few times 
And so I was like, yeah, dude. So did you book speak. him to speak? Yes. Because you probably saw his ad in Charisma or something. No, no, no. Okay. Just just from my brother being there. So oh, I was gotcha. like, yeah, come out. So I didn't know about like Bobby and the crew and just like what was, I didn't know exactly what I was in for. <laughs> Nobody did. I know. And it, it was, it was crazy, man, because we did that whole, um, you know, purity thing and like, man, and this, this message and like, you know, Ceci was, would apologize to the guys for all the girls that broke their hearts. And then Bobby was like apologizing to the girls and it was like emotional and, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, that the God's presence wasn't there. Cause I really believe that a lot of those kids got touched, but, um, it was like that whole commitment and here's purity ring and like save your kiss to you. It wasn't even like save. I'm not going to have sex. It was like, it was, you yeah, can't even kiss. No kissing, no holding hands. So it was like save your kiss to your wedding day. So if you can imagine this, <laughs> you've got all these kids up there. I mean, they're crying and they're, they're like, they're being touched by God. Like I really believe that. And you know, Bobby, it's or, or, or it was just a lot of guilt and shame. That it could have been that too. It could have been that too. I I can't speak for. I'm just saying this yeah. is what I saw. You know. And no, no, no. I know. Yeah, I know. What you say. I know what so I experienced too. So that, all these kids are up there. You know, you probably got 150 or so kids up there, and then you got Katie in the back on a on a picnic bench, yelling, "Don't do it! <laughs> Don't wow. do it!" She knew back then. It was, right. Yeah. And, and then Bobby is like. Don't pay attention to her. And he's still ministering his kids. And she's trying to don't do it. You'll mess up. What if you mess up? You know? And wow. like, and I, I could admire that. Like back then I was, I was just, I was immature as a youth pastor, but yeah. I, was, I was doing my best, you know, that I, that I knew how to do. But I admired that because I felt like. She recognized that it was a phony standard or like, well, not necessarily a phony, but just like. Right. Hey, don't set yourself up for that. It kind of, yeah, it kind of goes back to I don't want to set myself up to fail. Mm. And and I think although I don't think that's a bad goal, hey, if that's if that's what you want to do, dude, that's awesome, man. Save your kiss to win. That's really cool. I know some people that have done that. I know some some people that aren't even Christian that do that. Yeah. And that's awesome. But um but it was just it was very interesting. I really admired that about her when she brought that up. And so that was kind of my first taste of like like Bobby and team reach and all that stuff. And then from there he offered us a job and we ended up moving out. So, and then I came on a similar thing. Like yeah. they came to the church, to my dad's <laughs> church and did the whole thing, brought the whole crew, nice. like Sessie's team. And then there was a couple of teen reach kids that were there. <laughs> phase it, threes, phase threes. Yeah. Phase, th <laughs> <Or> phase twos, <laughs> phase twos, phase threes. And the whole thing too, like, oh, the pastor's kid's been having sex in here. He's been smoking weed in here. He's been, you know, doing all this stuff, bringing worldly music into the church. And I had to come up in front of everybody and say what, everything that I had oh been doing gosh. in front of the whole church. Whoa. And like confess. Wow, dude. Yeah. That's so, like, I think about back then and I just think about like, what, what would we think? I mean, we were thinking we were doing the right thing. Yeah. In our hearts, you know, I mean, we we were truly were trying to do the right thing, and we thought that that was right. But like, I look back and just think, man, it's it's crazy. But you know what? Still, somehow, it worked out. Or yeah, no, for sure it did. For sure, I'm still friends with a lot of a lot of the kids. Find me on Facebook, or I'll find them, and it's like, hey, what are you doing? And they're doing fine. Yeah, I, and I was just at that point too, where I was like, all right, because I was I didn't want anything to do with the church thing anymore. Right. right. But you still feel 
called or whatever, or this is still part of your life. Yeah. And I said on, on one of the episodes, I think with my cousin Renee, I'm like, my whole goal at that point, I just wanted to move to Jamaica, smoke weed, <laughs> listen to music, listen to reggae music, read the Bible, <laughs> read hang the out. Bible. Don't throw the Bible out. Just <laughs> Yeah, just incorporate it into everything else, you know, whatever I was doing. But um, because I still knew like God's love, you know, right, right. I was down with all that. But um, I ended up going, I ended up leaving. Like I went with them. Like you did go to Jamaica, right? No, I didn't go to Jamaica. I, I went to Africa. Oh, okay, okay. With with yeah. with uh, with Teen Reach and all that, but <laughs> I ended up. I was working. I was nineteen, so I was working two jobs. I broke up with Priscilla. Poor Priscilla, dude. Like she was just a casualty of war. You know what I mean? Like she grew up in the Catholic tradition, so the only example of church. And church people was me. Dang, dude. And all, you know, I'm a crazy 16, <laughs> 17, 18 year old kid, you know, wanting to rebel. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, she was just caught up in that crossfire. So, I had a dumper there, like oh, literally man. that night, a Friday night. Bob made me dumper. Man. You know what I mean? Like, dang. <laughs> that's hardcore, bro. It's crazy. So, then I, I'm like, I'm going to leave. I left. I quit my jobs. And I went with them to to Arizona. Like wow! But it's crazy that Bob even let me because you know back then it was like thirty thousand dollars to go to the program yeah. or whatever. But I was nineteen, dude. So they just let me come. I just came. I didn't know that. I just came. I just I'm wow. like, hey, I'm coming with you guys. I'm moving and they're in. Like okay. And he was like, all right. He put me in the home with Alex, uh, Danny Morrow. Yeah, Danny. Um, Chico, uh, uh, Martin, Bobby's right. nephew. And Israel. Israel. Oh my God. So I was in that home, in the men's home, and um, I guess, you know, got myself together or whatever, or let God work on me. And and then I started to work for the program. Then I became a house parent. So what year was that? This was, I want to say, 02. Okay. Okay. I think. So then we came right after. You guys I came think. back, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys came yeah. right back, wow. and then oh three or something, I went um, to Sessie's program. Yeah, that was like the next level. That was the next level. It was like once you're done with phase three, you're Elijah generation, right? And yeah, that's that where dope. I got close to your your ex wife Jennifer. Right. That's where I met. Like, was just cool with Jen, and then obviously you were part of the Teen Reach side, right? But you were there and. Do you remember those days, dude? Oh, yeah, man. I remember, dude. Those were some crazy days. Those were crazy because I, I, uh, I like, God, people are going to hate me for saying this, but, like, I've never been- By the been... way, you can say whatever you want on this podcast, dude. There's no, no. judgment. Right, right, There's right, no, no, dude, it's like, no. This you want to might... say some crazy shit, no. you can say some, you know what I mean? No, but I think you might be like, I mean, because you're like, you're into music and I, like most people are into music. Music, I like music. But it's ne- I've never been like a person where I I got to have it on all the time. I've yeah. got my my earpods in, or I've got the radio on, or I've got like I can drive in the car without any music mm. for hours. What's wrong with you? It's I know oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it. So when I went to Team Reach, I had already been in ministry, and like you know they're like we don't listen to this type of music, and I was oh okay. I was like oh, oh okay, I, that doesn't that's easy. Like yeah. I already didn't do that unreligiously I wasn't you just doing, yeah it was just wasn't a big deal for me and then the movies 
um, you know, no rated R, no no PG movies, right? Was <laughs> PG-13. it PG or PG thirteen movies? <laughs> I remember before I came, I was like, I'm I'm gonna go watch a vampire movie before I go because <laughs> I kind of like those sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that wasn't a big deal for me, so I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't watch. Um, we could only listen, dude. I wonder if. I, if I have those anywhere, like the the nineteen principles, <laughs> the nineteen principles, man, that's so crazy. But yeah, we couldn't listen to music, watch TV. But no, I I, I am I'm huge on music. So I had Jeremy, yeah. I put him up on Anderson Park already today. Yes. So he oh downloaded it on his iPhone. Dude didn't even know who Anderson Pack was. So I had to, dude. I had to put. I, him I'm on. constantly. People are constantly like, "Hey, dude, check check this out." And I'm like, "Oh, dude." So I just download it. I'm not against music. I love music. It's just I I'm not it's just not your thing. Yeah, I'm not like heavily into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean I love it. So no, that's it's still dude, I, I'm always I'm always into music, dude. Always. <laughs> so I, I, I told you that we're listening to the new Eminem right now. So I'm oh, a little yeah, 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 I'm yeah. a little hype, even though that's not my <laughs> I like Eminem still, you know, but it uh I'm more of a mellow, chill kind of right, stuff, right. but I was playing earlier, stuff like this. Let me see if this is working. Yeah. Just that smooth hip hop stuff. I love that stuff too. That's really dope. Yeah. Like kind of pop, jazzy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Hip-hop. Chill stuff. So, um, man, so that was uh, so 2003, 2004. Um, then you guys went back to. Yeah, 2004, we moved to Orange County and uh, started a church, launched a church. That's right. I remember yeah. coming out when I left. Yeah. Um, and. No, that was the second church. Oh, okay. So we launched one church, did that whole deal, went through a, just a just a mess of stuff, um, personally, and um, and that was like 2004 to 2008. Took a year off. At the end of that year, went to Thailand for three months, came back and got asked to to launch a church. Uh, alongside of a Chinese church that's like right. in Orange County. That's right. And that's when we had you come out. We were like, we've got to have Josh come out and see this because it, it just was so dope. And that's it was right. actually, I think we had like 400 people there that night. It was pretty cool. It was yeah, fun. I remember that. Um, crazy. That was <laughs> such a long time ago. How was it dealing with like the whole Chinese um, church and culture in like China? I don't know, That's got to be a different dynamic, right? Just a different vibe for some reason since then like the last fifth i would say 15 years i always might find myself as the minority mm-hmm. which is weird because i'm <laughs> white right like <laughs> like i don't know if that's pc or not but uh, like i always find myself with like like even you're right the now, other yeah right like even right now i'm I'm the only English speaker in the house. My my <laughs> wife, my my kids, my my mother, mi suegra, mi, mi suegro, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, um, mi tia, tia Corona, I call her because she likes Coronas. Tia, tia way. Tia, yeah, man. They they all uh, they're all like from Latin countries, and they all speak Spanish as their first language, right. and so. They have to slow down for me sometimes yeah. or interpret. And so since then, I've just, it's, it's, you've always been the, I've always been that, that guy, that token white guy. But I, you know, token I, whitey. I, yeah. But, um, I, I really like other cultures. I like my whole, um, I think part of my personality is just, is developing relationships and 
and learning all I can about somebody that's not like me. And um, regardless if you're white or black or, or Asian or Indian, whatever, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, just learning about other people and, and what makes them tick and, and what they've been through. I, I love like talking to people and listening to people and, right. and, um, you know, just trying to encourage people wherever I go, you know, so. especially around the world, dude, isn't it such an eye opener when you get out For of sure. United States and yeah. see what's happening in other countries? Yeah. I like, uh, I mean, I spent eight years in, in, uh, Thailand, you know, yeah. um, starting thrive, developing thrive, putting together a team there, rescuing kids and, um, and, and just, just putting everything together there. And, uh, you know, I came back and, you know, in California, we have such a huge, I, I think it's a crisis right now with the homeless yeah. and, um, and something needs to be done about it. But at the same time, when I compare it to like homelessness in Thailand, like I remember driving down the street one time and there was this guy with shorts on like raggedy shorts, not like jean shorts or like, you know, billabongs or whatever, not, not like right. nicer. These were like elastic band just plain brown shorts that didn't even go down to his knees. And that's all he had on. He was barefoot. He didn't even have any underwear on because he was crossing the street and he was just filthy, dirty. And like, he wasn't in his right mind. And so like halfway across the street, he just decided to take off his pants and walk around naked. Mm -hmm. And so like homelessness in other countries is not, it's like here that we've got tents. Oh my gosh. It's so like, yeah, and we've got motorhomes and you know what I mean? And we've got spaces that we can fit into if you're homeless. And, and I'm not saying that's, that's good. I'm just saying that our homeless people are better off than. Yeah. If you're going to compare than other homeless people around the world. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, For and, sure. So anyways. Yeah. So, so going back though, cause when you were still here, you took over the Chinese church and then you said you went to Thailand. So what made yeah. you go to Thailand in the very first place? Like what was it about Thailand that, made you want to check so, it out so we um you know i i had lost a, a daughter at birth um ha, uh, uh, my ex-wife and i and we um we just threw, went through a bunch of, of stuff in 2008 the the market crashed right. you know i i had a, an amazing job um you know making like over a hundred thousand a year mm-hmm. and and it was the most money I had ever made. And so in two thousand eight, the company I was working for stopped paying me for six months and they went under. Wow. And um and so like losing a child and then, you know, at birth and then losing a job and then trying to pastor through all that, I I gave the church over to a friend and I was just like, forget I can't do this. Yeah. You know, emotionally, spiritually, I was just drained. drained. Yeah. And so I took a year off and at the end of that year, I was just praying and just like, God, what do you want us to do? Like, I thought that's really, when that stuff happened, that's what really shook my belief system as mm. far as like what I had been raised in and, and what I believed in. And, uh, because it really forced me to look at my belief system and say, why, why didn't it work? Mm. Why did this stuff happen to me? And, and so, um, Anyways, we we're. Just, I was just praying, you know, and just saying, "Hey, God, what do you want me to do?" Like, I'm, I'm pretty mad at you still, but, right. but I believe in you, and so, <laughs> yeah. Let's. What's next? And I felt like he spoke to my heart, and he said, "Hey, go to Thailand." And 
my first reaction was, I don't know anybody in Thailand. And immediately I felt like he spoke to my heart again and said, it's okay. I know lots of people in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I was just like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm going to get on the internet and start doing some research. And within like a week, uh, maybe, maybe it was two weeks. I was, I mean, I had been invited and I was booked solid for, for three months there wow. to speak at ministries and conferences and um, schools and, um, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, just do different things all over. And, and so spent uh, three months in Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia. So most of the time that I was there was spent in, in Thailand. And at the end of that three months, I was a keynote speaker at a pastor's conference there. And, uh, the city we were in, I, I didn't know much about it. I didn't, at this point, I didn't know anything about human trafficking. I didn't know anything about child sex trafficking. I didn't know that was a thing. Like who, right. like who, yeah, who, who would, would even think about that? Like, yeah. so, uh, I was pretty naive and, but nevertheless, I felt connected to this city and I didn't know why I didn't like, I would, I would talk to these pastors at the conference and I would say, Hey, you know, I, man, I really feel like we're supposed to do something here. And, and they would just look at me with disgust in their face. Mm. They would say, why would you, why would you ever want to do anything here? This is the Sodom and Gomorrah of Thailand, you know, go up North, go where all the other missionaries go. It's easier. It's nicer. You can raise a family there. And I had no idea why they were saying that. And so, uh, when I got back to America, I started doing research. You found out and, the and, dark, right. Truth, reality. of Yeah, it, really. And, and Apatia. so. Yeah. Yeah. So I Googled it and like, um, I just saw all these crazy images and crazy stories and found out on any given night, there was 20 to 30,000 prostitutes out, which is bigger than like, now I go to some churches and speak in churches or, or, or we'll do like a fundraiser in a, in a small town, 20 to 30,000 prostitutes. That's bigger than some small towns here in America. Wow. And, um, and I, I, and then I found out about human trafficking and I was like, what is human trafficking? And I just, this is before it was really like a big issue. Mm -hmm. And I just started like, I don't know, my heart was just drawn to it and, and specifically the children, because as I started reading, I started finding out that like child trafficking was a thing. And then even worse, child sex trafficking. I'm just like, what the heck? This is like, this is insane. Yeah. And so, um that just like messed me up. And so I really, I started to, to look for an organization that, um, that specifically took care of kids that had been sexually trafficked abused that were under 13. And, uh, and I couldn't find one in that whole area. So they have provinces there. Yeah. And in that province, I couldn't find one. I had been looking, looking, looking. I really wanted to support them. I, I wanted to, to find somebody just so I could support them. And um, there were other like things going on. There was a handful of things going on, but there was like a couple orphanages, children's homes, but nobody specifically for, for those kids. Right. And so um, when I couldn't find anybody, I was just like, I'm doing it. Mm. We're going to, we're going to do this. And so uh, we started a 501c3 thrive rescue um, sold everything we had and, and moved, moved to Thailand to Thailand. Yeah. From, Irvine, California, Irvine, California. To Patia, Thailand. What was wrong with me, man? Yeah, I remember that <laughs> like, because uh, that's right. You had your, I had your, uh, uh, your BMW that I was oh, trying right. to sell for you. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't like, want to sell that thing, dude. That thing was, was a beautiful nice, car. <laughs> and I think when we picked it up, 
um, we were at Disneyland or something, and and somehow I drove it back here to Silmar, and uh, that was fun. I got to <laughs> I got to whip Josiah's head back a little bit when we got on the freeway. That so, car was awesome. Man. I love that car. It was a blessing. Somebody gave me. They traded me for something else, and yeah. so I was like a debt free car, and it was like it was dope. But, but you had a salad to raise money to to move yeah. pack up and and move everything to Thailand, and I would do it again. Yeah. I, I honestly would. I hundred percent. Yeah. I I had a Harley. I had a nice Harley. I, I had a. It was custom. I had, you know, the 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 Beamer and um, yeah. And so went over there with just like suitcases, and went to like a guest house, kind of like a hotel but smaller, a lot smaller, and um, didn't even know. I knew I had raised enough. This is like, crazy, bro. People, I mean, <laughs> do you guys understand what you're hearing? Like to pack up and leave the United States to a foreign country, a third world country with nothing. I mean, with, I mean, where do you start? Like, where's the first <laughs> thing you do? Like that just blows my mind. Well, I, I knew, so I always say this because I feel like it's important because I think a lot of people have passion and they hear, they might hear this story and, and be like, I'm doing that, which is awesome. Like do it. If that's, if you that's, got the balls to do it, go for it. Yeah. And if you, if you, Cause you I, I would say if you feel like that's what God's telling you to do it, but I didn't, I didn't, I found out about between the time of finding out about Thailand and that city and actually moving there was about a year and a half. Mm. And I think it's important to say that in that year and a half, we started the 501c3. You we did built the a website. The foundation, yeah. Right. We 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 um we we research what do you pay a person in Thailand? What's minimum wage? What do you pay someone that's been through college? What is the housing market like? What is rent cost? What does it cost to feed, you know, feed somebody? What's you know, mm. all that stuff. And right. so for a year and a half, literally You did you guys did your due diligence. We stuff. did that and 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 then there came a point where about a year after planning, uh I started traveling and just telling my friends. And one of the things I told God was like, God, I don't want to be one of them guys like begging for money. I just don't want to do that. And, and, uh, and God spoke to my heart and he said, if you'll share the vision, I'll take care of the provision. And so I was like, all right. So I just started sharing and people were like, we want to partner with you. How, how do we do it? And we, of course we had the bank accounts and the website and all that stuff set up. So after about a year and a half, uh, we had raised the budget to move over there, uh, the monthly budget and um, open up a home and, and start bringing kids in. And, uh, but we didn't know we were, where we were going to live when we got there. Mm. The first week we were there, this the the owner of this uh, guest house said, "Hey, I, I got a house. My friend has a house that I think would be perfect for what you want to do." And uh, so Sunday after church, he he rolled us over there and um, met the owner. Took us to the house. It was perfect. Um, what the owner doesn't know is, I say <laughs> this all the time, but like we had looked at homes online probably every night for about a year. Some of them were too expensive. Some were, you know, weren't nice up enough. To par, yeah. yeah, they weren't up to par. And so, um, when we got there, we took a tour of the house. I had actually seen that house online uh-huh. a year before, but it was it was way out of our budget. And so I just I didn't say anything. But at the end, this guy was like, "Man, I I really like what you're gonna do. I want to help you." There's an Australian man, and his wife was Thai, and they were moving back to Australia. And I said, "Well, you know how much." 
how much is it? And uh, the price that he gave me was half of what I had seen on the internet. Wow. So I was like, okay, that's that's a sign. You know, so all of a sudden it was it was now in our budget to do, and we we did it. We're still in that home day. That's our that's Thrive One. So wow, yeah. Now they want to sell it to us. So I'm like, oh man, it'd be awesome. So wow, yeah, so cool. So you guys get there, hit the ground running. Um, what is? I mean, I kind of mentioned it to you before. I, what is actually happening when we say child sex trafficking? I mean, obviously you know, we can kind of put two and two together, but I mean, how right. bad is it? Like what's really going on? So some of us have no clue. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> some people are going to hear this and be like, what? Like you said, what when you heck? first yeah. found out, yeah. what the hell is going on? Um, I, so when we first got there, we, we moved in that home. We, we had, we got everything set up. We got all the furniture, all the bunk beds, all the mattresses. I mean, like it was legit. And our whole goal was, um, I I really wanted like if any Thai person or child came into our home, I wanted them to be like, wow, mm. I want to stay here. Yeah, that was my whole goal. Not just visually, but but spiritually and emotionally. The I wanted, feel I, of the home. Yeah, I wanted them did to you, feel safe. Did uh, I don't want to sidetrack, but did you get any experience from Teen Reach? Like, oh for that sure, whole vibe for sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that. Cause that was a big thing. It was yeah. like making it feel like a home. It's not now, like, yeah. like a real home where you live and you have dinner together with your brother and <laughs> you know, you guys are wrestling on the floor. And- yeah. No, exa- that's exactly what, um, what I was going for. I, obviously the dynamics were a little bit different, right. but that was, that was my goal. And, and I, I learned so much from that experience. And so, uh, I'll never forget because I was, I went, I came downstairs the, the day after we got all the, the bunk beds and everything set up and furniture. And I sat in the office and I was just like kind of having my meditation time. And I was just like, all right, God, we're ready for the kids. And I, you know, again, I hope this doesn't sound weird. Cause I, 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 I feel like God was speaking to me, not, not audibly, but just you feel know, in inside. my heart, you yeah. know? And, and uh, I felt like you said, do you think the devil is just going to turn these kids over to you? And so I, I, I knew that was my cue to get up and go out and start networking, start finding these kids. And so, uh, you know, when you first go to a country, you can't, you can go to the police and you can go to the social workers and social system and you can say, Hey, I'm here to do this, but they're, they don't, they're not going to just trust you right away. They want to see your track record. Because how many times have they seen people or Americans with this savior complex? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to save the world. Right. And they put out two, three months later and, you know, right. or they get involved in their own scandal or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, you so got exactly to right. get boots on the ground and build relationships and put in work. Right. Yeah. And, and I think our whole, anytime I go into another country or, or anywhere for that matter, it doesn't matter if you're in another country or not. Um, I want to, I want to walk humbly and and come in as a servant and and how how can i serve the community not just here in america but wherever we're at i think that's just a great posture to take and a great um uh way to build relationships and so absolutely um one thing led to another and I'll, i'll never forget our first um one of our first girls uh this pastor called me and said hey i have a pastor friend on an island 
who rescued this girl and um, he doesn't know what to do with her. So I want to take you to the island and, and meet her. So we jumped on a boat, went out to this island, met with this pastor, um, and he started to tell us about this girl that he had found. She had, I believe the story was she ran away from home and he found her and found out that uh, her mom and her grandmother had been, because they live on an island, they had been jumping in a small boat, cruising out to where the big cargo ships wait in line to go into, um, be unloaded. And they would just drop her off for a couple hours, for a day, and then pick her up. And so these, some of these guys on the ships, they would, they would buy her and have their way with her. So they were prostituting her. Oh yeah. 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 They, they were trafficking her. They were selling her for sex. And, um, you know, you got to remember what really brings us into, I think, not just reality, but like really into like really checks your heart is that she was like 12, 13 Mm. and they're dropping her off and making money off of her like that trafficking her sexually. And so anyways, this pastor, we told this pastor what we do, told him why we were there. And he said, okay, great. Can I come tomorrow and, and bring her and come see the house? And I was like, yes, please. So they came, um, they looked at the house, we met them, we had a great time, just showed them the whole house. And what was really cool is that whole wow factor that I really wanted. Right. Um, as soon as the pastor walked in, he was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when the girl walked in, she was like, wow. And Because uh, obviously you guys made it really nice. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, it, it, beautiful, just yeah. the whole vibe, the the furniture, the beds. It was Ikea furniture, but still, but still that's still, nice. It's, yeah, That's absolutely. nice there. And and I mean, it's nice here too, but. Dude, my kid has a Kia bed, bro. Come on. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ikea. I, I, I mean, Ikea. <laughs> I've slept on Ikea for years. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I, I remember the first time she came upstairs and we showed her um, one of the rooms. Um, with the bunk beds in it and she ran over and she like she sat on this bed and she she pushed on it and she looked at us and she, it was like the only word she knew how to say in English I think and she was like spring mm. and we we're like yeah there's there's springs in there and she was like so blown away that she was going to get to sleep on a mattress with springs wow and so at the end of you know lunch and everything the pastors were ready to go back and they said do you want to stay and she was like there was no hesitation in her voice she was like yes Mm. and so that was our first um our first girl and uh i still keep in touch with her today on on, how old is she now she's uh 19 wow no no no, she she's actually 20 i'm sorry she's 20 so she's um she's back on the island but she's in a safe place um She's working as a waitress yeah. and uh, it's awesome because she'll just message me out of the blue and be like, hey, dad, how you doing? Wow. And I'm like, how are, I'm good. How are you doing? Is everything cool? Are you all right? Are you, you know, and yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How long was she in the home with you guys oh, or she there was, at the home? She was with us for, um, let's see, we got her when she was like 13 and a half. So five years five years and then she um she got uh she connected with some friends yeah 
she went back. She she was in the city for a while working, and then she went back to the island, and you know she still goes to church there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's it really changed cool her life. Absolutely. Who knows what would have happened to her? Right. Yeah. If that. Oh no! Her yeah, hand. no. She would. She would be dead by now. I'm sure. Wow. I mean, you. You got to think about this. You can't have. <clears throat> You can't have sex every day with multiple people for for six months or a year and expect to be healthy physically. Right. You at, catch at thirteen. You catch diseases. Yeah. Well, not only diseases, but like just physically, physically having yeah. sex at that age and being, you know, that small, it, that's not, not that's not that's healthy not, for any even if you're a gro- even if you're an adult grown woman and you're having sex with yeah. multiple partners every, every day, single day for months and months at a time you're going to break down mm-hmm. you're going to go crazy your your body's going to get sick you're going to have mental problems something's going to happen and um and so like that's why i say if she was still if if we didn't come if she hadn't been rescued by that pastor um she, there's no doubt in my mind she'd be dead. Wow. Yeah. yeah. For sure. How is it even possible? Like, is it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it's legal. No, it's not legal. So, Prostitution is illegal in Thailand. So how is it even, I mean, what's, how is this, how is this even happening? La- lack of, lack of finances for, police force lack of finances for you know the the, the I, government I, system I, like and don't I'm, get me wrong i'm not i'm not just going to say oh it's just finances cuz yeah. there's a lot of factors that play into that right and um and i do want to try to keep it positive but at the same time i want to i want to speak truth and and the bottom line is you know different belief system different mm. economic system mm. different it's just completely different way of thinking we think in america we think in a linear direction whereas they think in a circular direction and um and so uh you know values there's so many different different factors that yeah and and so you know and then you've got and then on the opposite side of the coin you've got millions and billions that are pouring in into this, for that yeah for sex with kids for sex with you know prostitutes, prostitutes. Se- you know and, and so you've got billions that are supporting something in a whole city a whole ec- and economic a, ci- and a city that's in poverty that's sort right. of relying on it yeah right. and, and then you you know and then we're like why is it why are why can't we stop this and we have it's like unbalanced we've got all the, these finances to do to keep it going and we've barely got enough finances to stop it. Mm. And, and it's, and I, I, I hope one of my, my hopes is that the girls and the children that we come in contact that live with us, that will get, that they'll go back out when they get old enough and begin to change things. And I yeah. think that's probably one of the only ways that it's going to, you know, right. be done. Right. Unless you give me like, an ungodly amount of money and I can just go buy the whole city. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and hire your own police force and right. task force. And yeah. 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 Make sure. Yeah. I mean, geez. So you guys, so you guys were physically there. You guys opened the home, ran the home. You guys were living there yeah. for like 
eight years so or something? For, yeah, or? for about eight years, um, uh, seven and a half, eight years, uh, we were there. You guys opened multiple homes. Yeah, so we have, uh, we at one point we had three homes. We have two right now, um, but we need to open a third one because um, there's always kids waiting. Uh, the police are always, the police and the social workers, they don't even want the, the kids that they rescue in um, the government shelter. They know that we have a, but they have, they can put them in a better place. But because we are very specialized in what we do, we only take six to seven kids in our home. Every home is like a family. Um, we do doctor, dentist, schooling, clothes, everything. And you guys hire locals. Right. We hire locals to, to watch the kids and to, to, like I said, each home is like a family. Right. And, um, so right now, um, we're working on opening up a home, a third home and possibly beginning to buy homes there because it's just economically, it just works out better to buy homes. Um, so we're looking at that right now and, uh, yeah. So, wow. This is, I'm, I'm just still trying to, I mean, I know the story, but just hearing it again, yeah. you know, it's just like, it blows my mind. You know, it's hard to, to wrap your head around. Um, so it's, it's going strong. You guys were, yeah. um, cause you, you had left. How long have you been back in the United States? So, so I just moved back, um, about two years ago, maybe two and a half now. And, um, I still go back and forth. Like I, I, I live here. I used to live there and come here four or five times a year. Now I live here and go back there four or five times a year. So it's, it's, um, I, I definitely share my time between both. Um, we have a great team there. Um, uh, our Thrive team there is amazing. We have a program manager. We have our house parents. We have our, our social workers. Um, That's the way to do it, right? So it's not just, you know, you're not, it's not relying just on you. Yeah. You have no, to, totally. you have to empower the people there yeah. on yeah. the ground and, and, and get it going. Absolutely. In fact, right. um, I, I think probably the, the, one of the most important things that I think is, is the culture. And, and I'm not talking about Thai culture or American culture. I'm talking about the culture of the organization mm. and, um, and kingdom culture. You know, I'm a Christian you know, we believe in God. We don't force God down anybody's throat, especially our kids. Um, but most of our kids are are all saved. They, they, they're they drawn to it. They're so drawn they're... to it. They want to know why, because they've been raised Buddhist most of their life. And and I'm, by all means, I'm not going in there trying to say, trying to tell people, hey, your religion's wrong. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what you, that's not, you're going to go to hell. No, that's, you're that's not the way you do it. To you, love, right? love them. Love Period. them, comment, how can I serve you, and things like that. And so, but through that, they're able to experience they, it. They ask us, why are you doing this? Because mm. I'm Christian and God rescued me. Mm. Who's God? Well, I I'm I believe God is is God and, and the only way to get to him is through Jesus Christ, you know. And mm-hmm. and so and but we let them kind of explore that. And what's interesting now is because we never like shove that down their throat. Um, in the beginning they would ask us, but now what's interesting is they almost never ask the adults. Oh, wow. Because when it, when it, one of the children gets into the home, they feel more comfortable asking the other kids, why are, why are you guys doing this? 
And now the other kids are like, they're having legitimate experiences with God. And, and what's interesting is like, you know, here in America, it's great. I mean, I, I love the diversity because, you know, you got people talking about, oh, you know, is God real? Is God not real? Who is God? What is God? How do I get to God? All these different questions. But, uh, but we're very, we're very much not a spiritual, we're, we're a Christian nation, right? So to speak, yeah, in, in quotation, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But we're very much not spiritual. Mm. And, and I, what I mean by that is when you go to Thailand, it's not a question of if there's a spirit world because they all believe in spirits. Mm-hmm. You go down the street, you can't, you can't drive down the street without seeing a spirit house outside right. of somebody's house or business. They believe in spirits. They believe in the afterlife. They, they, there's, there's no question about that there. Right. Um, whereas here it's kind of like, if you, you know, it's hit yeah. and miss. You might meet somebody that believes in that. You might meet somebody that doesn't, you yeah, know? And, yeah. and, um, and so growing up, you know, the first five, six, seven years in that, and then coming into a home where Jesus is Lord, but not shoved down your throat, mm-hmm. they experience or, that and they want to tell others about it. It's like, this is what we believe is God when he talks about the kingdom of God. Right. This is what it looks like. Right, right, right. This is what's happening. It's it's justice. It's peace. Love, yeah. you know, redemption, forgiveness, all these things. This is what this is what it looks like when God is right. reigning in this, or, or you know, this kingdom is absolutely in charge. <clears throat> and so, what what I really enjoy is that, like my uh, my program manager, I call her sis because I I, I say I, I kind of think of us as a family, you know, and um, in our organization, and so. Um, Suki is my, as our program manager. Is Suki, she, Suki. <laughs> she does an awesome job and she's amazing. And, uh, uh, she'll call me and she'll just tell me stories. Like she just called me, um, or she sent me pictures of like last month. And, uh, she said, look at these pictures and I'm looking at them. And she said, oh, I think it was most of the, there might've been a few like younger ones that don't understand yet, but all, all of our girls decided they want to get baptized. Wow. Right. And, and so you, you think, well, you've been there eight years, dude, are they, why weren't they baptized yet? <laughs> well, it's not that I didn't want to baptize them, but it's that I wanted them to choose that. I didn't yeah. want to force that on them. And so now I know like they made that decision. That's something that they wanted to do because of their relationship with God, not my relationship forced on them. Right. And, uh, and for me, that's super important that, that, uh, they have their own experience with God. And uh, so that's just really cool. So she tells me stories like that all the time. And I'm like, yes. And it's not, um, people don't understand or realize too, that it's not just girls. Yeah. No, we, we have boys too. There's yeah. a lot of boys too that are being trafficked. Absolutely. I just saw an article the other day on Facebook of a, of a country in Africa that is heavy into child sex trafficking. Yeah. A lot of uh, people from the UK are going there. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. Who are these people that are going to like Patia for sex with you? Are they sure. Americans? Like what Europeans? What's the demographic? Um, you can find these a, sickos. You can find all types of nationalities there. It's everybody, um, right? It's a, it's a but, people thing. But I would say this, that, um, like I, like when I first went there and I would come back 
to America and and speak and whatever, people would be like, "Yeah, it's all it's all white people over there from America, huh?" And, I, and it and it really isn't. Um, yeah, there's some Americans. Yeah, sailors sometimes they're you know, but they're not they're not. I, I wouldn't say they're actively involved with child sex trafficking all the time. Okay. Um, but you know, sailors go over there, they're going to do what they do. You know, they'll go to walking street and of course they're, they're mess fooling around with prostitutes and stuff like that. But I would say like the majority of, uh, not the majority, all of our kids that have been trafficked sexually or abused sexually have been from their own country. Hmm the 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 perpetrators have been from their own country. Mm. Um, now that being said, uh, there's lots of people from Europe, Australia, um, you know, UK. It's just closer for them, right? You know, in the U.S., the the biggest problem is group homes now. Kids are getting abused and 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 trafficked in group homes because it's a it's in group turned, homes in the United States. Yeah, because it's been turned into a business. You wow. get at least a thousand dollars in some in some um some states you get more per kid. So the more the merrier. So yeah, I'm jamming as many kids as I can in there and I'm gonna make as much money as I can and wow. and and then you know feed, so, feed so, them some so beans. So you're and, telling you know, me that organizations that are there to help these kids are essentially trafficking in the u.s in the u.s yeah some of them i can't say all of them obviously but i mean right. it's it's a it's a documented like fact did like, you did you hear the interview uh on this podcast with amber rose check it out you probably haven't but she was she's a foster baby a a second generation foster kid wow and she grew up in the foster home and she said that Yes, she got abused. That's where her sexual yeah. abuse started. Was from foster kids, but she said that other men in the neighborhood who yeah, knew sure. that that was a foster home. Yeah, they they're targeted. Yeah. So so now you know there's 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 people that are opening up group homes, and not only are kids being abused by each other, but and, and not only are those people that are opening those group homes making money from from our taxes and from the government, but then they're also making money trafficking these kids mm. sexually. So so like I'm not letting anybody off the hook here. Um it's a worldwide problem. We have 41 there's there's an estimated 41 million slaves in the world today, which is more if you take up all of history and add it all together, we still have more today right now than, ever than we've before. ever yeah, than we've ever had before. Wow. And uh That's nuts. That's crazy to think about. Right. That is so crazy. So you know what it seems like for all the stuff we got wrong in our teenage days, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was a lot of things we did do right. Uh, absolutely. Let me ask you this, and we're going to wind down because we're already at an hour. Wow. Um, how many kids have come through the Thrive Home and have, you know, been been touched or blessed by what you guys have done there? Sure. So I, I would say, like, not just in our homes, but we've been able to reach probably, I would say, six to 7,000 kids. Wow. And the whole time that we've been there. And the reason why I say that is because we've been able to go into schools and te- talk about and teach about internet safety mm. um, and, and, and talk about sex trafficking and sex abuse. And, um, but in our homes right now we have 14 kids, but we've probably, and most of those have been long-term, but we've probably had close to 30 or 40 
kids altogether come that have through, come through the home have, through have the stayed homes. either yeah. long term or yeah. short term. And 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 the police know like that when they place a child with us, we're long term. Mm-hmm. So you guys are committed for the for the long haul, right? Right. So I would say that number is probably on the lesser end of what I just gave the numbers I just gave you. Um, but our kids are with us for a while. So when a kid turns 18, they can stay with us because we're their only family or they can leave if they want. We're going to help them either way. But when they move out, then a bed opens up and boom, we can bring another one in. Right. So, And even if it was one, yeah, it was worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've this always stuck with me. I mean, I've knew this in my heart that God... We used to do a homeless thing here called Help a Human. And I love that, man. I remember when you were doing that. Yeah, and one of the guys, the homeless dude, brothers, his name was Ray, he would, like, pray before the meal. And one day he was, like, in tears, I mean, real wow. tears, saying he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Yeah, yeah. And like, that was, it was just so real for me. You know what yeah. I mean? It hit me, like, man, it's, it's so true. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> we'll wrap it up thank you so much Jeremy for coming you, on man. gotta have you back for sure thank you thank you for having me man hey can I pl- just let oh yes know, like, absolutely please like plug if, um, if somebody wants to help yeah. get involved what do they do because you got stuff going on in Mexico you got yeah. obviously Thailand so um, we just so when I came back um, I'll, I'll put this together real fast but when I came back to America um Somebody gave us property in Mexico. Somebody gave us property in Peru. Somebody gave us property in, or some, I have a person in India on the ground waiting for us to say, go. Um, so they can, we can start leasing homes. So it's a matter of partnerships. It's a matter of people partnering with us so that we have the finances to do, uh, and go into these other countries and, and rescue more kids. And so, um, yeah, if, if anybody wants to partner with us, if they want to, uh, even go on a trip with us, we're all over social media, Thrive Rescue. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all that. Um, our website is thriverescue.org. And you can partner monthly there. $35 a month is a huge deal. Um, $10 a month, whatever, whatever Anything. you can do, it helps. That and, literally goes to buying food. Yeah. Giant, because I remember we talked about like how much does it cost to feed like sacks of rice and yeah. All that stuff. I mean, the essentials, toilet paper, toothpaste. Yeah, everything. Um, everything. And clothes. I mean, all of our kids are under 13, so they're constantly growing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, and when they come in, they usually don't have anything. So we're the first people to be able to take them. One of the things I really enjoy is taking them shopping for the first time in a store, you know? Right. Um, right. So, yeah. Anyways. All right, guys. So make sure you guys check out Thrive Rescue Support. Um, there's also opportunities to go, right? Absolutely. You guys have like a... Different Where's, things. Well, actually, one of my friends went. Oh yeah, Alex, Alex, Alex Avila. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He ended up doing something else, but he went. Yeah, no, no, you guys. He's still going. He's over still there. there. Yeah, he yeah. still he lives there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's living there. He now. still lives there. Nice. And Rodney too. Rodney went. Rodney Burba. went with me to, to Thailand oh. and Mexico. Wow. Yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks again. Um, Check out Jeremy on all the social media on the on the uh, thriverescue.org.org. Let's <laughs> give it up. Let's give it up for Jeremy. I didn't do any of the bras. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs>
Period is dead, the Odyssey is over Found God within me, started searching for Jehovah What you searching for? Where you focus at? If it's happiness, no one can give you that It flows from within, it knows all your sins You can never win, being envious of other men Covetousness it's such a sin, wanting what other people have has become a trend But don't bow down to the dollar bill, y'all Commercial consumerism is trying to kill y'all I'm trying to heal y'all